Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. feelings it's Pharrell on the bench I believe in whipped cream with everything all right Pharrell on the bench with you uh so we start uh, hour number two uh a couple things uh, I want to get into some of the stuff obviously we're going to uh talk NBA here this hour we're going to get into all of that the bubble you name it uh Carver High's got a lot happening on this show with uh regards to, you know, you name it, guests and everything else. Sean Hyken is going to join us from Bleacher Report here in about, I don't know, 20 minutes or something like that. So I want to get all this other stuff in before he comes on. Uh, A, uh, first of all, 87 investment firms ask Nike, FedEx, Pepsi, et cetera, to stop doing business with the Washington Redskins. This is the only way, and they know it, okay, just so we're clear, this is the only way to communicate with billionaires is through their pockets, right? In other words, Dan Snyder is never going to listen to anyone ever tell him how to run his team that he owns. I've always said the guy will not change the name of the Redskins. He's not doing it. He's just not doing it. That guy will not do that, right? But I do believe that he will do it if every single dollar that goes into that football franchise, into their coffers, all the sponsors, if every single business, corporation, and entity of substance, of significance that spends money on the NFL in our nation's capital with the Washington Redskins, if every single one of them, 100% pure, drops out of that game and won't spend their dollars ever again, not one penny, on Dan Snyder, including FedEx, they named the field after it, right? If he loses all of that money in his covers, then he might listen and change the name of the... I think this is a huge development. I really do. We got a lot more to talk about. Uh, we'll talk to Sean in a little while. I got some other stuff I want to do too. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. 
As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hi, for all events. Uh, so, look. How funny is that? Like, right when I did that story, suddenly uh, a story breaks. Investors are calling on Nike, FedEx, Pepsi to cut ties uh, with Redskins over the name. It's all in ad week. It's everywhere. It's on every uh, ESPN, all of it, right? But here's the deal. Let's just, instead of anyone taking credit for this or getting all sophisticated, like, you know, we broke the story or any of this other nonsense, let's just get down to the gist of it. I was on Johnny Cochran's show in Los Angeles some 20 plus years ago, right? It's around the OJ time, right? This is around, uh, yeah, 94, 95, 96, something like that. And I'm on, I was friends with Johnny Cochran, right? And uh, I was huge in Los Angeles, so uh, just so we're clear. And uh, the show was enormous. And so everyone knew me, everyone. Players, owners, coaches, celebrities, movie stars, uh, Johnny Cochran, all the rest of them. So Johnny had me on his show one day. What do you think we talked about on the show? We talked about the Washington Redskins refusing the overtures and the just endless overtures of the Native Americans in this country clamoring for this guy to change the name of the football franchise, right, of the uh, Redskins. Now, I think that uh, – now, I don't even know because I can't remember. I'm not that smart. I don't know how long he's exactly owned the team, right, but – you can look it up, Carver Hyde, but the bottom line is this. Even before Daniel Snyder, they called him the Washington Redskins, right? So before he came along, they were still the Washington Redskins. And they wanted him change the name of the Washington Redskins forever. The Native Americans have been after. There's a woman from this uh, uh, Navajo Nation, and I respectfully I say this, I'm not I'm not. Pre- he bought him in 99. So maybe it was 99 that I did it. I mean, I just told you 96, whatever. It's like right in that window. So I think Daniel Snyder was the owner when I went on Cochran. I could be wrong. I'm sure I have the tape somewhere. In fact, I know I have the tape of it. And I went on his show to argue about, uh, and I went on with all these political people, right? Because it was like a, one of those three box shows where they put you in three boxes and everyone argues. And I said on that show, I remember it like it was yesterday, just in terms of not dates and times and everything. I just remember saying, he'll never change the name of the team because he's a D. This guy's an absolute asshat, and he is a stubborn Napoleon, right? Your boy over here, the little four-foot dude getting all worked up. Have you ever seen him? He's all mad at the world because he's short or something. I don't know what it is. You can't deny it, Carver, either the guy's angry. Can you even deny it that he's impossible? Like, he's he's unapproachable. No one goes near him. Do you ever see him doing interviews, like, on, like, ESPN or anywhere, NFL Network, anything ever? No, because he he thinks the world's out to get him, right? And and they know he's a billionaire. And then he's just like, I don't care what you think of me. I'm not doing your interviews. And I own the team. So kiss off. That's exactly who he is. But here's the here's the rib, bruh. 
what's going to happen is, is when they take all the money away from you and you have no one sponsoring your football team yet on the face of the earth except Billy's Jelly, <laughs> I mean, you are finished. You cannot own an NFL team in this day and age and not have all that corporate sponsorship behind you, Carver. How you know it's true? If FedEx leaves Pepsi, all the beer sponsors, Nike, if every single one of them were to bolt, if they lost Nike, FedEx, and Pepsi, do, uh, do they survive, just those three? Does he survive with the name Redskins, or does he, is he forced to change the name? If just those three big corporations jump off, those does are he big change names. Those are big names right there. I don't think he does. So you think no matter what, let's say 10, let's say 10 national sponsors, big. Let's say it's hypothetically Home Depot, Lowe's, something like that, right? McDonald's, um, Budweiser, let's say all them on top of the ones I gave you, Pepsi, Nike, FedEx. Let's say you got 10 of them, big national corporate sponsors. Let's say Facebook's one of them. Let's say uh, Prime is another one. Would you uh, still believe that he would lose 10 national multi hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising money and he would still not change the name of the team? I mean, you if you have every single dollar that you make from advertising going out the door, um, yeah, I guess you're going to have to eventually at some point think about it, right? I mean, if everybody walks at once, uh, yeah, you're going to have a problem. Uh, you better believe it. Uh, how about the NFLPA may want no preseason at all? They've already said they're canceling two games, right? And they've already canceled the Hall of Fame game. So essentially, uh, is the PA's response that they don't want any preseason games whatsoever? Do you think that holds any water? Uh, it's possible. You know where this is going, okay? You know what's happening here. They've already canceled the Hall of Fame game. Now they've canceled two weeks of the preseason. It's kind of like what Gabe was saying to you at the end of Coast to Coast today. You know, that's already three weeks, you know, if you count the week of the Hall of Fame game. Um, you, you honestly think that they're going to get on the field that uh, first week one in uh, September? I don't know. They just keep canceling weeks. All of a sudden, everything's going to be fine. They're going to play that week? Yeah, I'm know. starting to question uh, literally everything in sports is uh, I'm worried about. I said that today on Coast to Coast. I'm worried about the NHL. I'm worried about the NBA. I said today, I really don't care if they come back and play baseball. The only reason I like baseball is betting. I have absolutely no interest in it at all. I like October baseball because then the betting ratchets up, right? And then uh, the rest of the season, all, you know, like from, uh, you know, whatever it is, the last week of March, now they start it. But it used to be the first week of April, right? So let's say from the jump, if it were the last week of March all the way till the end of September, before the playoffs start in October, I like that betting action for the entire six months. I love it. And then the playoffs is a whole different animal for betting altogether, right? That's when the betting gets really intense. It's really hard, I think, to bet on those games. I know everyone around our network and everywhere else thinks everything's so easy. Like everyone, whenever there's a big game, every handicapper acts like, oh, this is a piece of cake. I got this in the bag. This is a done deal. It's automatic. 
there's nothing more unautomatic than than betting on huge, gigantic games that are, uh, you know, for all the marbles. Everybody thinks they have all the answers until they don't have any answers. People, you know what they have is they have escape clauses. So they make the bet, they lose, and then on Monday they have some excuse why they didn't win the bet. It's always something, an injury, the weather, God. They always got, they got all the answers. They got all the answers going in and they got all the answers coming out. But most of that's coming out of their dairy air. But here's the deal. I wouldn't miss preseason football for one second. It's the biggest wasted time ever. You know what I say? If you have a training camp for a month, isn't that what they have? A month long training camp? Isn't it? The preseason and training camp is like a month and a week. Isn't it like five or six weeks? So do two-a-days for six weeks and pick your team. You can do it. They cut players every day. They whittle it down. They make their roster, and it is what it is. The preseason games, we see all these, like, garbage men playing, and then they get cut, right? That's how it works. So why have the games at all? They say it's how they evaluate players. That's absolute BS. They evaluate players for six weeks and two-a-days and training sessions with other teams. That's it. Find your talent, draft your talent, train them, and you find you weed them out right there. You don't need to play these boring ass, backward ass, terrible. I mean, just utter. I'd rather have a root canal like Morenci than go to a preseason football game. I wouldn't walk around a corner to watch a preseason football game. Save your ass. California restricts activities in 19 counties for at least three more weeks. Before long, California and uh, Governor Newsom, my buddy Gavin Newsom, who I am friends with, before long, Carver High, he is going to cancel everything in the state of California because they have no way of stopping the COVID. None at all. They can't get people to wear masks. They can't get people to listen to them. People do whatever they want. They smoke dope. They walk their dog. They go talk to 15 people three feet away from them or two feet away from them, one foot away from them. They go to parties. They go to barbecues. They go to bars, they go skating, they go walking, they go running, and all they do is break all the rules. And everybody around them is dying and no one cares. I mean, they're just not going to have sports in California. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, on the bench, uh, Sean Hikins with Bleacher Report. He's back on the bench in the biggest way possible. We're going to talk some NBA rack. Uh, I got to keep track of uh, where Sean lives. Where do, where do you live, Sean? Good to have you on the bench again, brother. Hey, good, good to be with you. I'm in Portland still. 
Oh, all right. Yeah. So uh, I forget all these things. Carver High uh, told me you were coming on. I was like, oh, cool. I remember him. I didn't remember where you lived. Uh, that's my fault. So um, anyway, I guess the reason I asked that is because of uh, I'd like to know what uh, the situation is there with the uh, in Oregon, in Portland. Great city, by the way. Uh, I love it there. I've been there. Uh, tell me about what it's like there with this, uh, COVID and, you know, even like Dame and these other guys, uh, seem very skeptical about the whole thing. Like, I mean, Lillard just was saying, uh, was he not just a, a week ago? He's like, not sure if he wants to even be a part of it. Well, I mean, we just, we actually just talked to him and also Terry Stotts today that they did their PR uh, department set up some zoom calls with, uh, media with those two guys. So, we were able to check in with that. As far as the COVID stuff, it's not great right now. It, it seemed, seemed like Portland, because Portland was one of the places in the U.S. that got hit the earliest. And so I think they were pretty early in terms of taking it seriously. And so early on, it seemed like they kind of had it under control. I'm talking about like back in March and April. And then it seemed like the curve was flattening a little bit. And then uh, around Memorial Day weekend, I think people just kind of started going out more. And now the last couple of weeks or so, cases are starting to go up and up and up. And so now it's starting to not look great again. I personally haven't really gone anywhere, so I nothing's really changed for me, but it seems like things are not going as great in Portland as maybe they were a few, like, like a month ago or so. Now, as far as the Blazers, uh, as of right now, like they're, they're just, you're getting ready to go. And, you know, uh, Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins, who both miss most or all of the season are going to be healthy. They're going to be ready to go. Uh, they have an opportunity to sneak into the eighth seed to catch up with Memphis and, you know, as far as I know, like right now, they're all pretty excited about it. So uh, is the reaction of uh, is Dame time uh, positive about getting those two pieces back? I mean, obviously, uh, those are huge, uh, you know, negatives to not have them in the lineup all season, I think, killed that team. I just thought they uh, were obsolete without them. Uh, what, what's his reaction to getting them back? everybody's pretty excited about it. And he was talking about how he actually kind of said that it's been so long since he played with either of those guys. Cause remember Nurkic uh, had his leg injury last season back in March of 2019. And then Zach Collins had his shoulder injury three games into this season. And so it, Dame was saying it's been so long that since he's played with any of those guys that you know, he's kind of, he had kind of forgotten what it was like to play with them, but he, he thought, he thought they looked good. And Terry Stott said that Nurkic in particular looked like he was in as good of a shape as he's been in since he, uh, has gotten to Portland. Wow. So uh, in your opinion, who matters more to that uh, lineup or are they on equal footing uh, in injecting them back into the burn? I think if they can get, if, if Nurkic is back as somebody who is close to what he was before the injury, because before that leg injury, he was having his best season as a pro and, you know, he was really just, you know, he was, he was, being a rim protector he had you know he's a great passer for a big man he, you know he he was really fitting in nicely uh on that team and then he has that injury and they, they go on that big run without him but this year you know they had traded for Hassan Whiteside who you know was okay in places but other than him they really did not have much at center so if they can get something out of Nurkic I think that would be huge for them do you think that Whiteside uh you remember is uh certainly I do his reputation and Miami, uh, they'd had about enough of him, like his motivation, right, was like in the mud. Uh, did you feel that, uh, you know, because that guy's enormous, he should be 
you know, in my opinion, just automatic 2010 every night. I mean, just what we're paying you, you need to give me 2010 no matter what, with as big as you are and how long you are. And when he jumps out of the gym, but boy, does that guy play like he's bored to death being in the NBA. He reminds me of that. Uh, I'm just saying this off the top of my head. He kind of reminds me of that uh, Kwame Brown guy. Like, remember that guy? What did they have to do to motivate him? Give him Lamborghinis? I mean, the guy, honestly, Whiteside, did he play like he was sleeping, like uh, sleepwalking, like the walking dead up in Portland? Well, there were times where he was actually very effective uh, this season, and I mean, it was, but it was it was just kind of a matter of consistency with him. You know, he he's a, his, I think the, the issue with Whiteside is not so much motivation as it is uh, he's a guy who likes to kind of chase blocks and chase rebounds and kind of chase stats. And there are times where you know it's great that he does that, but then there are other times where you know the play that he needs to make, the defensive rotation that he's going to make that maybe doesn't result in him getting a block is actually a better defensive play. And there were games this season where he was making the right play on defense, and those are typically games that Portland won. It was just a matter of could he do that consistently or was he doing that consistently. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the rotation shakes out. Uh, Terry Stott said today that he thinks that Nurkic is going to start, so sounds like Whiteside's going to come off the bench, which he hasn't done all season because he was the only real center that they had on the roster. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, that all that stuff is kind of received. So uh, I would think that he's going to be uh, miserable, uh, frankly, that he's coming off the bench. And I think that uh, if he sees that white boy Collins getting a bunch of burn, that's going to make him mad too, don't you think? Well, I mean, just Collins is a power forward, so that's they're kind of not playing the same position. Now, with Whiteside, it's going to be interesting because he is a free agent this summer, and I know this is kind of the worst year you could possibly be a free agent, which is uh, with this pandemic and no, like the salary cap is going to go way down and probably nobody's going to have money to spend. So, But he is looking to get paid, and so he's kind of – he can't really just be totally checked out uh, this entire, you know, this entire time that they're down in Orlando. Right. So let me ask you, uh, Sean Hyken with us, Bleacher Report. Uh, when you talk to Dame time today, uh, how excited is he, uh, obviously, to get that uh, that 21 cover with, uh, you know, the PS4 and all the rest? I don't know what the names of the games are. I know my kid knows everything about it. He plays it. But I know he got that video game with uh, Zion Williamson. Was he stoked about that? Is he happy uh, that he's going to be playing basketball? Or does he only care about... Uh, making rap uh, albums and getting on video games. What What is his motivation, this guy? You know, the 2K thing actually didn't come up, although, I mean, it, it was kind of cool. They had, they, you know, they released a promo video of it. Uh, yeah, the other day, you know, Dame is highly motivated to, uh, I mean, he's been like that his whole career. Uh, I'm, 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 you know, he's, he's one guy. I mean, I know he does all this other stuff. He has his music career and he has kind of other stuff, but he's not a guy who's motivated to never question. So uh, is he excited about playing in the bubble? I think he is. I mean, I get the sense that he is apprehensive, just like everybody else is, about kind of the risks involved in terms of whether the you know they can really keep everybody safe. You know, he definitely said that he doesn't think it's a hundred percent, you know, sure that, that they're going to be able to keep everybody safe, but he thinks it's worth the risk. Uh, and remember, he had said a few weeks ago that he didn't want to play if the Blazers didn't have a legitimate chance of playing for a playoff spot. If they were just playing exhibition games with the way the tournament is set or with the way that the format is going to be set up for the restart, uh, they are going to have a real shot at, at trying to sneak into the playoffs. And so I think with that, Dame is pretty excited about it. 
So how do you feel about it, uh, Sean? Uh, do you think they're going to be able to uh, pull it off? I think they'll pull it off. Will they uh, finish it? Do you think they'll actually get through it and make it work? I think they'll get it started. Uh, I think anything could happen. I think it's the unknown is is inevitable. We have no clue what's going to happen. I mean, they could go down there and play and nothing happens, or they could go down there and play and 75 guys get it. Uh, we just don't know. Do you? Do you have like an opinion of whether or not you believe this will happen successfully or not? Or do you think it'll be a disaster? I'm with you in that. I think that they're definitely going to start it. And I mean, I don't, I don't really know anything more than anybody else does. I don't think anybody really knows how this is going to work out. It, it seems like, and I have read a manual that they sent out to teams. I've gotten the whole thing. I have read it. And it does seem to me, and remember, I'm not an epidemiologist, so I don't pretend to actually be an expert on this stuff, but, uh, it seems to me like they thought of everything in terms of keeping guys safe and taking all the proper precautions and making sure that it's as controlled as it possibly can be without it being able to be completely controlled. But then on the other hand, you saw what happened with the MLS team from Dallas today that, you know, they, all of their guys had tested negative before they got on the plane to go to Orlando because they're all playing in the same uh, wide world of sports complex at Disney world. They had all tested negative when they, when they got on the plane and then they get off the plane, they test again, in Orlando and six guys on the team are positive. So uh, like, you're really, this isn't foolproof. There's a chance that it could go badly, but it, it, it if they're going to, if, if, if we know that they're like committed to starting it, it seems like they've taken all the precautions and I guess they're just going to have to hope for the best. Do you think that uh, if Giannis doesn't win a championship in uh, Milwaukee this year with so many people think that they're the favorite, like they're the best team in the league. Do you think that, um, uh, you know, and I think respectfully here, I got about a minute. Can you hang out and do another segment, Sean? Can you chill a little bit with us? Sure. All right. Awesome. So let me just ask you in briefly in like 30 seconds, do you believe he'll want to leave Milwaukee if this team doesn't get it done and go somewhere where he thinks he can win it? I, that I I think it's too far out at this point. The circumstances are so exceptional that I just I don't I don't know if you can really hold what happens this time by by anything. I I have no idea what he's going to do. Yo, know, I just wonder if he's um because I don't know he seems uh so humble. I hate to use the word simple. He seems like a very simple, humble guy that uh, isn't after the frankly, the bright lights and the superstardom and the, you know, New York or the uh, Los Angeles or having that red carpet. I, I just feel like uh, that the guy's a different monster altogether and that he's just pure basketball and uh, he knows where he came from. He knows what he stands for and he just wants the ball. And I think he actually likes, I think he gets off on carrying that team on his uh, shoulders. We're talking to Sean Hyken, a Bleacher Report on a bench. All right, uh, Pharrell on the bench with you. Uh, we're talking to Sean Hyken. Uh, I was just watching uh, Carver High. They were showing the uh, Jeter diving into the stands. Remember, it was on this day back in the day when he dove into the uh, seats to make that play and smashed his face in. And I thought it was cool that we played that clip today. And then I saw him, uh, you know, playing that clip tonight again. Uh, that that thing never uh, gets old. Sean, I, I want to ask you. The league is talking about uh, Adam Silver was uh, ad nauseum talking about some of the exciting things that they want to try in the bubble in terms of broadcasting. Uh, they want to do some new things. 
he said, you know, different angles, different mics in different places on different players. And, and then he said uh, they may run the, you know, the TV in delay because of the language, the players talking trash on the court and everything. I'd like to get your uh, opinion of all of that, what you think of uh, how the broadcasts are going to go. And do you think they'll be able to uh, do that? They're going to drown out all the players so we can't hear them talking? I, I'm really interested to see how they're going to make the TV broadcast look because, I mean, they're going to have to just change a lot of different things about how all of it looks. One thing that I would like to see them do is show different parts of the timeout huddles because you know how usually when you're watching, I mean, I don't know if you've, had, if you've watched a WNBA game recently, but in the WNBA games, on the, when they broadcast those on ESPN, uh, in the huddle, they'll actually show the coach drawing up a play and actually show the strategy and show what the coach is going to do. Whereas in the NBA, when they have the mic'd up uh, timeout huddles, it'll usually just be the part of it where the coach is saying, hey, you know, we need to bring more energy and we need to not give up, like just that kind of stuff. Right. I would like to see them put in, you know, have there be some sort of way that we can actually see what they actually talk about in the timeout. That would be interesting to me. Do you think it would be cool to put a uh, camera on the refs where like in boxing, they've been putting a camera on the, on the ref in the ring and you can actually see uh, up close uh, what it's like to be in there when these guys are throwing hooks and, uh, you know, body shots and crosses and jabs and, and haymakers uh, from that close up, seeing it from the chest of the ref, I think was pretty fascinating when I was watching Top Rank the other night. Could you see the refs having cameras on them? And we could actually, because you've seen that before. I think we've seen some of that, like, you know, in, in co like college or pro football at some point or another. I know they've done that maybe at a Pro Bowl or something where I saw the camera on the ref in the middle of the game. It's pretty bizarre. Do you think that would work in the NBA? I I don't know how much the app. I think that's one of those things that might sound better on paper than it actually is in practice. But they're going to try all different kinds of stuff. So I, it is going to be really interesting to see what they do. So uh, how do you feel about uh, Zion Williamson? Uh, he has said, Silver, that there's no way that uh, they've set up their schedule uh, to be the easiest. A lot of people think there's a conspiracy that they're trying to get the Pelicans into the playoffs no matter what so that they can capitalize on Zion TV. I don't believe that they did that. I think the league would like to have Zion in the playoffs just for the star power and the ratings, but I don't, I don't believe that they purposely said that. I mean, all the schedules from what I've seen are at least pretty, obviously it's not going to be exactly because all 30 teams aren't in there, but all the schedules are pretty close. I think to what, the team's schedules were going to be as far as what the strength was and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, who guys are going to play. So, it, I mean, I mean, the Pelicans had had a really hard schedule earlier on in the season. And so their schedule down the, down the stretch was going to be easy anyway. So I, 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 I think that the idea that the league did that on purpose is a little bit overblown personally. So a guy, I read today a story at some level where someone suggested that uh, Obi Toppin would be, uh, nothing but a role player in the NBA. I'd like to see if you believe that. Do you believe that guy that we saw play college basketball at a high level? That guy, uh, he has got a grown man body. I mean, that guy is grown man moves. 
He's got all kinds of game, like not a college level game either. That guy was playing an NBA level game in college last year at Dayton. And you know it. Are you kidding me? I heard a role player. He's going to be a bum in the NBA. He's not even going to matter. Are you serious? Do you believe that? I'm not sure who it was that said that. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't watch a ton of college basketball, so I, I'm I'm the wrong person to ask about draft stuff. But that is a guy that I've I've, I've a lot of people I've talked to are really high on him. Do you believe in uh, the kid uh, what Lonzo Ball has accomplished in New Orleans? And do you believe that his brother Lamelo Ball will find success in the NBA? Because we know he's going to be a very high draft pick too. Yeah, he is, and I, I, it depends on who wins the lottery. But I mean, I've seen people say that they that he might be a number one pick. Uh, like he's definitely going to go top three. I don't know where he's, where where he's going to go. There might be some teams that want him, some teams that don't. But I mean, he's going to be a high pick. I, again, again, this is another. You know, I haven't watched a ton of Australian basketball. I don't really have a detailed scouting report of him. But you know, I mean, a lot of people like him though. Do you think that the Lakers, if Dwight Howard does not go to the bubble, because I got to tell you, I thought Dwight Howard's minutes were used very effectively by Frank Vogel and the Lakers this year. I thought it was the best uh, Dwight Howard has looked, frankly, in his entire career. I I thought the job that he did in the uh, burn that he got, his role on that team was clearly defined on a nightly basis. How much do you think it affects the Lakers if he doesn't go? It's huge for them. And I, I think, I mean, they're already down Avery Bradley, and I think they'll be able to survive without Avery Bradley. But if Dwight is gone too, then that's, you know, that, that's huge for them because he was, he was so crucial for them off the bench this year as kind of, as kind of their, you know, their backup center. He really, like, like, just like you said, he kind of, after, you know, the last few years when he had been in Charlotte, Orlando, Washington and bed that last year in Houston where he was kind of his role. He was trying to do too much at different times this year. He kind of found the perfect role and he just kind of accepted who he was at this point in his career. Now that he's kind of past what his prime was in Orlando. And he, you know, I thought he was great this year. So it would be huge for them if they, if he doesn't play, they and they kind of have to hope he does. So do you think teams can actually shut it down for four months and then turn the car engine on and pick up right where they left off? Or do you think we're going to see two different sides to the pancake altogether? Oh, it's going to be ugly, at least at least at first. And people, but here's the thing, though. It, like, it's going to be across the, across the board. So it's going to be a level playing field. It's not like some teams have been playing all this time and other teams have to come back in and, and ramp up after four months off. Everybody is going to be equally out of shape, equally rusty, equally likely to have some kind of injury because they haven't played for that long. So that that's why teams are slowly starting to ramp stuff up in these individual workouts in training camp. They're going to keep doing the same thing before the season starts, but it could be kind of ugly. So what uh sleeper team, like, you know, are you into like Dallas or anybody with, uh, you know, Doncic and, and Porzingis, or is there a team that excites you that, really frankly no one respects or that uh no one thinks they'll do anything down in orlando that you think might actually show up and and uh be effective maybe it's the blazers who do you think well well maybe uh, i mean they're gonna have to get past the lakers in the first round if they want to make the playoffs. that's kind of a call order you know what houston is actually interesting to me because usually during the regular season james harden puts up these incredible numbers but he also leads the league in minutes or comes close to it and uh 
play, you know, his usage rate is crazy, and, and he just kind of burns out in the playoffs because physically he does so much in the regular season. Now he's coming in with four months off, so he's going to be about as fresh as you're ever going to hope for him to be in the playoffs. And I wonder if that's going to make a difference, and that this might be the year that you see Houston finally, you know, get over the top. Who do you think? Uh, who do you like watching better, Brody or, or Harden when they uh, have the ball? I, I like. I think they're both great, but I think uh, Westbrook's game is uh, is so different than Harden's. I, I think Harden is iso ball, dribble, drive, get calls, score at will, uh, outside, inside. He's got the drop steps, the whole deal going. Whereas I think. Brody's more of an attack the rim kind of player. And uh, not only that, a, a, you know, a facilitator, a triple double machine, a guy that uh, rebounds, makes passes, makes plays happen, develops, I think the offense, uh, the guy runs the show. The other guy for me, I, I don't deny his, his greatness scoring, but he's just really an isolation ball hog, isn't he? I mean, they're just very, contrasting style. Uh, so, I mean, I think there is an arc to what Harden does, and I, I get that for a lot of people, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing thing to watch, but yeah, there there is an arc to it, and Westbrook is, I mean, they're, they're just, it's just a totally, it's, a, it's an exercise in contrast, for sure, in terms of the way, the way that the two of them play. Do you think any of those teams like Toronto or Boston, Philly, uh, that they'll have Indy have a, a chance at all against the Bucks? I've been big on Toronto the whole year, actually. I think that they're, I mean, obviously they lose Kawhi Leonard over the summer in free agency, and that is a huge loss for them. But, you know, the fact that, you know, Siakam has been able to uh, step into that role. And the thing about Toronto is last year, even when they had Kawhi Leonard, they have so much experience playing without him because he wasn't playing a lot of the games because of load management and his minutes were down. So those guys all have experience playing without him. So, I think that the team is pretty well equipped, and they're also very well coached by Nick Nurse, and they have a lot of even even beyond uh, Siakam and Lowry and Gasol and Ibaka, they have you know some of their other role players like Fred VanVleet, uh, Norman Powell. Those guys are both having great years. That's a team I was really high on during the season, and I could see them in the Milwaukee run again. Do you think, lastly, uh, that this will become a political statement season uh, in Orlando, where all they do is? Uh, talk about uh, social injustices and uh, race problems in the country uh, and all of the issues that have uh, led to all the protests and, frankly, uh, somewhat change going on in the world right now as we speak. Do you think that it's going to be about that or do you think it's going to be about basketball? I mean, the players have been talking about how they're going to make sure that that stuff is very prominently featured. I don't know what, what form that's going to take quite yet uh, in terms of what they're going to do on the court. They might have stuff on their jerseys. They might you know, do, do different things to raise awareness. But I think that's going to be a pretty prominent part of this uh, restart in Orlando. All right. Hey, Sean, great stuff tonight. Uh, good hanging out with you. Enjoy the uh, games when they finally get going. I can't wait. I hope uh, you're excited, too. I'm sure you are. Appreciate you coming on the bench tonight, brother. Great job. Yeah, good to be with you. All right, uh, Sean Hyken, a Bleacher Report with us uh, tonight on the bench. All right, uh, Carver High, I know you got a lot of things you want me to accomplish here. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Uh, the the Andrew Tolls thing is very disturbing to me, uh, the former Dodger, right? I talked about it on Coast to Coast today, but it's very sad uh, that, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw all this stuff, but right, like, He's been in and out of like, what, 20 plus mental hospitals 
he goes and uh, then he never stays. He like leaves, he escapes, whatever. He, he doesn't want to be there. He stays uh, for a few days and then he bolts and then he moves on. He just keeps moving uh, around and going to different cities and different places. And then they found him behind this airport uh, baggage terminal, sleeping in a, like a alley. And he only had like a, a backpack on him and he was, just totally disheveled and and disgusting. They said that he's uh they you know he's bipolar. He's got all kinds of schizophrenia. He's got all kinds of major mental health issues. Uh, without a doubt, it's very scary stuff. I can't even believe uh, that story as I as it's unfolded. Right, like and you know it's weird to me. I got to be honest with you. The guy, you know, I don't I don't I don't know if they owe him anything, but. It is amazing to me that I have not heard one person from the Dodger organization give a rat's ass about him, that this guy is in this state. Like they could care, it seemed like they could care less. Like they want nothing to do with it. I have not heard one person from the Dodgers front office or anyone talk about Andrew Toll's dilemma in life that he's been left for dead. That's crazy to me. They just don't care, obviously. All right, for all on the bench, uh, don't forget coming up, uh, Sports Rage with my boy Marenzi. And then uh, later, 5 a.m., uh, Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. So uh, we bring in uh, Marenzi right now. I have to ask you, uh, so the Tuscaloosa students diagnosed with COVID-19 have been attending parties as part of a disturbing contest to see who can catch the virus first, according uh, to reports, and that they're documented. This is from the city council in Tuscaloosa. We also know that uh, Boomer Esiason went on the radio. He's been clamoring that uh, he thinks all those uh, SEC teams like LSU, Alabama, all the rest of them, even uh, Clemson and the ACC, he says that they're all trying to get uh, COVID-19 now so that they don't get it later. What do you think when you hear these stories about uh, students having parties trying to get sick and football teams actually trying to get sick? What do you think of that? I think um, I don't want to be um, as as callous as I'm about to sound, but I really wouldn't care if their their stupidity would cost them their own lives. The problem is their stupidity spreads this virus onto all of us, and it just perpetuates the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the hospitalizations, and the deaths. Uh, sometimes you can't save stupid, Scott, but at this point, I just find it angering, frustrating, and I almost just tune it all out now. But it's ironic because these people supposedly love college football so much, but their jackassery is going to end up costing them college football. So I guess I there'll be some irony in the end of all this before we're done, Scott. Do you... Uh, and I only got 10 seconds. Do you worry, like, in, like, because we're in New York, whatever, you know how bad it is here, but in Canada, like in Vancouver and Toronto, when, when the weather gets cold, that it's going to be crazy? Um, not quite as much because there's more of a unified uh, front. It's not politicized. Like, and that's another thing. I think you got to be a whack, you got to be a whack job to somehow politicize a disease, right. but here we are, right? All right. Hey, uh, Sports Rage is up next. I'll see you freaks tomorrow on Coast to Coast. All right, Marenzi, be cool. Good night, Carver. Hi. Right.